You're listening to Grace Saves All, the podcast which exists at the spiritual intersection of Christianity and universal salvation. In this podcast, we will be exploring an ancient and modern approach to Christianity, which affirms both that grace saves alone and that grace goes to all. And now, here is David Artman, author of Grace Saves All, The Necessity of Christian Universalism. We are in a time now where lots of people are rethinking the Christian faith they grew up with. They are still spiritually attracted to Jesus and they still want some Christian fellowship, but they also need lots of room and space to process and to question and to work through some things. That's why I am pleased and proud of First Christian Church in Tyler, Texas for initiating what I think is a powerful prototype called Open Table Faith which embodies a respectful discourse that invites the kind of discussions we really need to be having in this time. Recently, they invited me to their very first Open Table Faith event to have a discussion on my view of Christian spirituality, in which grace saves and in which grace goes to all. Chris Pulliam is the senior minister at First Christian Tyler, and Ginger Brandt is the associate minister. Chris and Ginger, since you invited me to your table, I am happy to get to return the favor and to welcome you to mine and to have an important discussion about this spiritually volatile and potentially transformational time in which we live. So welcome, Chris and Ginger, to the Grace Saves All podcast. Very good. Thank you, David. Hi, David. Thanks for having us. Well, it's it's, uh, good to be together uh, virtually through the through this uh, interview. It's more fun to be together in person, but um, I thought we had a really good discussion. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we had a really good, I thought we had a really good discussion and I just wanted to start kind of where I left off in the introduction, talking about this spiritually volatile and transformational time in which we live. What do you think is going on? Why do you think there's so many people in spiritual deconstruction and reconstruction now? In short, the, the church is a mess. Uh, but much longer answer, I'm not sure there are millions more people in this state of being. I think we know more about the people who are, or that it's more socially acceptable to do this work out loud right now. Yeah, nicely said. But still, the church is a mess. So um, if folks are noticing that, and if, if some very savvy younger generations are saying, um, in some ways, the emperor has no clothes, then we should probably listen to them. I'm just, and I just think people are continue to look for something that's real and genuine and authentic. And in many, I'm afraid in too many cases, that what they find in the church is less than that or not that. And so, you know, I think, I think God used to sort of get a pass and we'd looked with rose colored glasses, but uh, I think those days are over now and um, people feel emboldened to ask hard questions and, um, so here, here we are dealing with those. And, and I think we're, as part of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, I think we're okay with the questions. And, and oh. that's, a, that's a great place to be, a great place to grow. Um, but, it's, but it's not one that's full of answers. And if people are looking for answers, that's the hard part. Well, I was going to get to this a little bit later, but we're, we're all sort of church family here together. We're all in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ uh, together, and this is a smaller uh, denomination. I call it a mainline Protestant denomination, but we're unusual in that we don't have a pre-packaged set of very detailed <clears throat> beliefs that Doctrines. people have to ascribe to in order to become members of our congregation. So how does 
How does open table faith then just fit in, do you think, with First Christian and Tyler and the Christian Church Disciples of Christ in general? I think it's a really natural outgrowth of who we are. And I think um, it's just a continuation of of work that a lot of us were doing individually. And then we began to talk about out loud and realize, you know, we can do this in community as well. That feels like a thing that, that, that Jesus would like us to do mm-hmm. in our context, being, you know, professed avowed Christians who follow Christ. It feels like this is something we have permission to talk about in our Christian context. And I think we've, uh positioned ourselves to welcome people who are questioning, who are doubting, who may not believe, you know, and, and, but yet, but yet feel some sense of calling or interest. And so uh, I liked your word community there. I mean, we, we put ourselves in that position to welcome people like that. So we welcome these conversations and, and in response to these questions that people may be hesitant to ask, um, we're not going to answer with, uh, with, fire and brimstone, but, but yeah, let's talk about that. Let's think about that. And, you know, kind of, if no questions are off limits and there's not uh, strict boundaries or what you can or can't think or believe. And uh, so we allow for that. And so uh, I, I just think we're trying to model God's love, amazing love. And, and, you know, not just for the quote unquote good people of the church necessarily, but, but for everyone and enjoying living that out. Well, I think that what was in, what's interesting to me about all of this is that, you know, you think about some of these conversations, these are kind of like the private conversations you have off to the side. But what you've done yeah. is you've taken the private conversations that happen off to the side and you've kind of put them in the spotlight and said, you know what, these aren't just, these aren't just the questionable conversations. This is kind of the main event. This is, this is what we are doing here. We're having this discussion publicly we're creating this open table faith so that people can see us doing this. And your open table faith, when we got together, it wasn't with uh, different people that weren't related to your church. This is with people that were in your very own church who are working through all of these things, may not have the same ideas about everything, but learning to talk about it together. Yes, you're absolutely right. And it's worth noting that this isn't really even an original idea. This is sort of the work of being a rabbi for for millennia, right? It's sort of wrestling with how do you how do you live out, um, how do you interpret and live out the the words um, and, the, and the positions of of your faith. So I think we're in good company and we stand in a in a good historic pattern. But you're right, David, in that this isn't something that's been done out loud as a main event. And I think we're just recognizing that for a lot of folks. The struggle is our faith. That it is distinctive to my faith that I have a lot of questions and doubts, and and in some ways they are, they are the thing I need to stay anchored to God and other people. I've, I've in my preaching and people's response to it and so forth. I, I many people who come to us from other uh, denominations and other places are, are often taken by how in, in the preaching there's as many questions as there are answers or that there's, uh, I use examples of things that may not shine the best light on myself or on our church. And, but in response to that, I, I get the feeling that they sense that it's real and it, and it's authentic. Sure, I used yeah. those words before, but, and, and, but the, you know, not unusual 
in my world, in my faith tradition, but coming from others, it, it, apparently it is very much so. And they uh, are t- taken by that and, um, and, and drawn in by that. And I think, you know, so it doesn't have to be the, the parking lot conversation. It can be, you can actually just ask it in Sunday school or ask it right after yeah. church and, and, and that's okay. Well, let's talk a little, talk a little bit about welcome and inclusion. Um, you know, like churches put out a sign that says everyone's welcome. Everyone. But then, but then people, you know, kind of know, but, <laughs> and is that, is that going to include me? And uh, what I have discovered is that, well, I had this happen. I have had this happen to me when I was a minister of a Christian church, Disciples of Christ. I would tell everybody that, you know, we're, we're having a discussion here and your opinions are welcome and we can talk about things. And then I had this person come to me and say, I need to talk to you in your office privately. And the thing <laughs> they wanted to confide in me was, I need to tell you that I don't believe that God puts anybody in hell forever. Matter of fact, I don't think that's consistent with the loving God to put somebody in hell forever. And that's my opinion. And I, I know you said that we could have different opinions, but I didn't know if that one was something we could right. talk about because in her in her background to question because in her background to question the concept that that God puts people in hell forever that was a given that was she didn't know like oh she thought that we might say something like oh yeah you're welcome to have um, reasonable discussion here but we didn't know you were going to bring up that topic well of course there's a hell that god puts people in forever and he torments them there and if you're not a good christian that's exactly where you're going i mean that's basic we can we can talk about some other things but that's you know that's in cement around here so right. uh, okay so can people is that something that that people can talk about at first christian church in tyler i mean the hell thing is something that people are very i found out are very scared to talk about. They don't know what's going to happen when they want to bring that, if they want to talk about that one. Sure. I, I, a colleague of mine just down the road uh, had a church uh, consultant come in. Uh, I, I've told this story before to you all, I know, but uh, the results of that came back that, that in that church, they, for they from, from very conservative to very liberal, they are evenly matched all the way across the board. And I'm just quite confident that is true in our church too. And so, uh, and coming in here, we, we don't we don't have to assume that anyone else is uh, with that we're all kind of the same or that we all kind of believe these same things. We really we really are stretched across the map, and uh, I feel like my role as a pastor is to help people to to think and to try to understand who God is by by reading their Bible, by praying their experience, by their uh, tradition, by their own reasoning, uh, all those things together. So uh, so absolutely the. People are people are welcome, and those comments are welcome. And some will get, you know, bright eyes looking at, or, or wide eyes like, "What in the world is that?" And others would be, "I'm really glad you said that because I've been thinking that too, and I didn't know what to do with it." Absolutely, I think it's it is also true to say that it is disturbing to some of our own. It's quite disturbing to contemplate. Um, well, to rethink a long-held belief, which is basically what deconstruction yes. is, that that's very um, alarming and and jar- jarring for some people. They don't need to deconstruct because they are so comfortable with the faith that they have put together. And part of the job of a congregational pastor, it's not the same as being a prophet 
Uh, I am pastoral and occasionally prophetic (laughs) at my best, but I am pastoral. So I love the people where they are. And sometimes that work is reassuring folks that open table faith does not have to be for them. If they don't need it, they don't need it. Mm -hmm. So not everybody has to be in deconstruction to be welcome at First Christian Church in right. That, that is correct. That would yeah. be alarming, right? If you were all in, in mass deconstruction at the same time. But you know, if there's a very um, oh, delicate, nuanced work that we're about, and it's making it's making space for all. That doesn't actually mean that we treat everyone the same, because in some mindsets and and expressions of faith it has been dominant for so long there's lots and lots of space for them but in other expressions of faith it's been so pushed aside and so maligned and you know called heretical that you have to do a different thing just to give those people a somewhat equal footing to stand on mm-hmm. i remember I, th- I went through that deconstructing process in seminary and i you know you brought that what you were talking about earlier how hard these words can be to hear. And uh, I remember I was a mess for six months or a year and would try to talk to friends about what I was experiencing. And, and, you know, none of us really knew what to do with that. And so uh, I I don't want to let go of that too quickly. Like, yes, if you're, if you're going to bring these things up, realize there's going to be a lot uh, of love and patience that needs to go with that and time spent and, um, you know, allowances for people to, to think and to, and to choose, you know, they don't have to go in, in a particular direction. So let's say, you know, so Chris, you've had the chance to look over the, and Ginger too, the sort of the breadth of the Christian experience and thinking. So if somebody came to First Christian Church in Tyler and said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm interested in Christian universalism. I really want to affirm, I want to affirm the Trinity. I want to affirm the divinity of Christ. I want to affirm the work that Christ did on the cross. I take the Bible very seriously. I take church history very seriously, and I think that it's because of all these things that I think that ultimately the the judgments of God are ultimately going to be loving and fit in with God's ultimate redemptive purpose to restore the, the entire creation. I, I personally believe that God's going to be all in all finally in the end. Um, so if somebody came to you and, and said, this is, this is where I am spiritually, and they said, uh, how would I be welcome or received at First Christian and Tyler? Would would I be seen as some kind of extreme person or, or, or would, is this something I could talk about with other people openly or, you know, what, what, what might my experience be? I, I, I would just say that, well, be welcome, come in and, and be willing to be part of the conversation and realize that not everyone's going to be on the same page. Um, I often say, you know, if, if, if whoever the person is, if that person comes with an agenda that that won't always be met well, but if it, if it's not so much an agenda, just to or if the agenda is I just want to explore, I want to talk, I want to do those things. I think that that is wide open. If the if the agenda is I've got this all figured out and I'm going to uh, you know whip these people into shape, then 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 that won't go well. Yeah, and, good and luck so, with that one. <laughs> yeah, and so but but uh, but once you know if if some people are have a little edgy. You know, usually a, a conversation on the side about that is, look, I, I appreciate your faith and where you are. Uh, not everybody in the room's necessarily where you are. So if you're willing to come and, and be a part and participate in the community again, then I think this will go really well. If, if, you, if you have to have it your way, then it probably won't go very well. 
Yeah. So if, if, if you're just saying, if this is the only way, if you're, if you're going to be upset that other people might have different opinions than yes. you, that, that might be a problem or, but if you're just willing to come and be a, a part of things, we're happy to welcome you and to in, enter the conversation with you. Yes. And things often go well. Um, I would say in the last few years, we've been delighted. Every, every time someone who fits your case scenario walks in the doors, they're um, so uh, scholarly <laughs> in their presentation. <laughs> and they have done such a level of study and, and you can read in, in them that they take the Bible seriously. And usually they've come so far and been an outsider in other places that they don't create insider outsider dynamics here. Mm -hmm. That's well said. Now you're in uh, Tyler, Texas. And for those who aren't familiar with Tyler, this is East Texas. And I would call it a, um, it's a more traditional, I might even say conservative evangelical type of environment. So um, some people might even like really people at, in Tyler, Texas are thinking about these things. I thought that was all just conservative <laughs> evangelicals in Tyler, Texas, but there's a whole church that's there. <clears throat> people that are wanting to explore these things and ask these kinds of questions. So in a way you're kind of going against, or do you think you're going against the grain or do you think there's more of this kind of conversation and thinking going on that people might imagine in Tyler? Not some people, David, a whole lot of people say, wow, there's a church in Tyler, Texas that's talking about this, that that is a real <clears throat> dynamic. Also true. Yes, people in Tyler, Texas are having a lot of conversations unpacking the faith of their mothers and fathers and trying to figure out what do they really see and believe, test and see, taste and see. Those conversations are so common among so many, say, 30 to 40 year olds I know, mm -hmm. even in Tyler, Texas. It, for people for whom the, you know, the church of their childhood or growing up, it, it's, not, it's not meshing with who they are or some of their other thoughts. And so what, what, are, they, what are they going to do with that? So we're, we're not trying to pick fights or cause strife, but we are trying to be a church where we're, we welcome people and we can have these conversations. We feel like that's healthy uh, for the kingdom of God and, and feel like in a way that's really, that's great, um, evangelism, if you will, in, in this 21st century, I think that's, that's hitting the nail on the head. Yes. I love that. I think that's so true. And I think this is not say our only issue that we stand on. It's just uh, a great example of how we process and who we are. We just leave room for people to explore. We think it's important. One of our biggest values is that people have some theological imagination. Hmm. Theological. Well, well, the uh, what I sometimes tell people is you know, I didn't grow up going to church. And my impression was that churches were places where they told you what to think. And so <laughs> the first time I went to a Christian church, Disciples of Christ, it was in a way kind of hard to wrap my head around that I was going to a church that wasn't telling me what to think, but they were telling me to think. And if Absolutely. I asked them, and if I asked them for answers to questions, they would say, well, first of all, good for you for asking that question, because that's a good question. And because you've asked a good question, you might imagine there are some different answers that people have given to this one. So let, let, you know, the minister then would share the different points of view 
that that there are on that question. And then if I ask, I said, well, what's your point of view? Well, they would tell me, but then they would also say, but you still need to form your own uh, point of view. And just to note, come back to me in 10 years, in my opinion, you know, might have changed that we're, we're all kind of still in this discussion in process, even, even ministers who, who stand up and, and talk about the importance of following Jesus. We're, we're still thinking and we're in this conversation too. So that was, it was, that was really amazing for me to experience that. David, I, I've still, uh, uh, the, our five basic beliefs and practices, I attribute this to you from years ago, but uh, one of those is that we all have the right and responsibility to read and understand the scriptures for ourselves you know, with, the, mm-hmm. with the hope of the Holy Spirit. So we have a, we'll have a guest and newcomers class, uh, you know, every quarter here at the church. And uh, years ago, I remember uh, walking through these and, uh, and then one of, the, one of the gals in the room, I got to that and I, and I just said, you know, it's not my job as the preacher to tell you what to believe. And you could kind of see her pull back at that. And then later on, it kind of got quiet. And she said, well, ain't that your job? She was, she was playing with me. <laughs> she said, isn't that your job? Wait, aren't you supposed to? And, I, and so it, it was a real shift, a paradigm shift for her, what she had experienced in her childhood to how we go about our, our ministry here. And I said, well, it, you know, it, it's my job to help you think and, and work together. But yeah, ultimately, it's not mine to tell you uh, finally what to believe. I love that about our faith tradition. I think that's so useful and is probably the only way I would have ever ended up a minister. That being true is one of the only things that lets me um, into this vocation. Yeah, I tell people sometimes I I couldn't be, I am not interested in being the leader of any kind of a cult. (laughs) I'm happy to share my point of view um, and, and, and those types of things, but everybody needs to go on the journey and everybody needs to do their own Everybody needs to do their own thinking. Let me, let me, let me ask you guys. A, just one, can I say one more thing, David? So just yeah. that, that is the, the, that is our witness, right? So a witness is someone who has seen something. And that's, that's really all I can attest to in terms of the face is what I've seen and what have I, I've experienced. And, and that's what I have to share. But that doesn't mean that Ginger has experienced and sees things exactly as I do or anyone else. Now, a question that Christian universalism often generates is something like, uh, why follow Jesus now if everyone will eventually be saved in the end? So let me put this question to both of you this way. Would you both still want to follow Jesus now, even if you somehow knew for certain that God would save all in the end? So I I love this question because this really uh, hit me hard a number of years ago, and I was just thinking through this, uh, and I just came to the realization that Yes, to follow, because to live the way Jesus calls us to live is the best way to live. Regardless of any reward, it's the best way to live, to love others, to serve others, to give of myself, to all that. That's the best way to live. That's the best way to serve uh, other people, our community, our world, to make good things happen. You know, the, the selfishness and the the taking for myself that 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 leads to a very dark place in, in in a hurry. Whereas to love and care and show compassion just leads to good things. So regardless of the reward of uh, following Jesus, I'm in. I'm in every day. I just seek to do that uh, every day to the best of my ability. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yes, yes <laughs> is absolutely my answer because the reward is the here and now. 
even if, if none of this turns out to be true. And let's say we're all wrong. Let's say every construct that we've you know, thought through and, and come to is not correct. I still have this. I have this chance to be on this planet with the other people. I can enjoy the heck out of the other people <laughs> or I can be very, very self-interested. I find it's just a lot less fun to be wrapped up in me. And I find that the best way not to be wrapped up in me and not to grow sick of my own self is to follow the path of, of this expression of God I know as Jesus of Nazareth. Well, that's one of the, you know, maybe not everybody wants to jump on board with my Christian universalism, but that's one of the fun questions that I get that I sometimes, you know, get to ask people like, well, suppose everybody was going to get saved in the end. Would you follow Jesus right now? And, and, and I, I get the feeling that for some people it feels like, well, yeah, okay, well, I'll follow Jesus in this lifetime because if I don't, I'm going to go to hell, but man, I'm missing out on a whole bunch of fun that I would get to otherwise have. And, and man, and, but it, but, but, but boy, wow. If I found out, if I really believed that everybody was going to get saved in the end, and this is, this is like a concern that people have more generally. Like if, if you start telling people that, that they're all going to be saved in the end, uh, no matter what, how they live their lives now, that there will be some process after they die or as they die that will shed truth on that or that there will be some type of judgment thing that happens. In other words, they might just go crazy. They might just go and do all kinds of crazy things because it's just the fear of hell that's keeping them from doing all the things that they might really want to do and explore. So you got to be careful. You got to put that fear of, you know, if you do these things, you're going to hell forever. And if you take that away, then they're going to go out and just act crazy. Sure. The limiter. <laughs> I, I once had a car uh, that really was not built for uh, high altitude. And I happened to live in the mountains at the time. The car barely would go above 55, you know, if, if I were on an incline. And I do kind of think of that, that um, <laughs> all those things that made that car really safe for the environment or better for the environment and not a pollutant also limited its ability to just suck in gas and go, right? So that's what you're talking about. Some people have this sense that they're a car that can't uh, get up to speed with this Jesus thing limiting them. <laughs> yeah, that they're that, that somehow that, that Jesus is, uh, it, it feels a little bit like the parable of the prodigal son, that the, the older brother it almost feels like that when the younger brother comes back, he's angry because my younger brother got to do all the things I really wanted to do. Right. And he got to have all these great experiences. And now he's back and he gets a party and I don't get to go and have any fun. I got to sit here and still slave and work for you. And you don't even give me a, you know, a goat to have with my not friend. Not even a goat, not David. Even a goat. Yeah. yeah I love, so goat. I love this story. I identify with the brother because he's looking at that, you know, he's the responsible firstborn saying, and look, the little one got to have his cake and eat it too. But then I think the best line in the whole story comes from the father to the older brother who says, everything I have is yours and you have been with me always. I, I ran into that, that mindset so often in college, you know, just like, well, you know, I don't want to do this now because now's, now, now's the perfect time of life to have all this fun and do all these crazy things. And, and, uh, so yeah, but but as is true with all that 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 thinking kind of circles in and falls apart pretty quickly. You know, it's 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 not that fun. 
and it's not that fun for that long. And uh, certainly what the prodigal son experienced, yeah. Okay, well, that was fun for a while, sort of. But now it's all falling apart and I just want to go home and all, even if I have to be, you know, serving in my own father's house. Right. I think the trick is to figure out how to be the kind of Christian who never sort of um, slides into older brotherness for very long, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, he, ch- he did not choose the joy that was available to him. Um, and that, in a way, that was kind of on him. And we've all been that guy. I would just like to be the more joyful kind of Christian in the future. <laughs> well, one of the things that is is kind of a challenge is, I guess in a way, it's kind of easy to say, well, the good news of the gospel is that if you accept Jesus as your Savior, you don't have to go to hell forever. I mean, that's easy. I just said it. It's pretty yeah. understandable. It excites a lot of fear in people and a lot of sense of immediate relief. All I got to do is believe I'll, what do I, I'll, I got to do is just believe this, and then you can go to uh, heaven after that. You don't have to go to hell. So that's a very powerful way to summarize the gospel. But let's say you weren't going to do that. How would you, how would you talk about the gospel in different kinds of ways if it's not centered on you need, to, you need to accept Jesus right now or you're going to hell forever? What's another way of saying what the, what the gospel is? So, so what is the opportunity as opposed to the threat, right? <clears throat> yeah, how do we so, talk uh, about gospel, good news? I, I, for me, uh, the big theme is just the, the coming of the kingdom of God on earth, that what we're trying to create here is, that, you know, every time we act in ways that are loving and kind and compassionate, we, we build up, we have more votes towards that coming kingdom. Uh, as an opposed when we, we act selfishly for ourselves and uh, spitefully and so forth like that. So I, I, for me, I just think it, it's, it's a building of a, of a beautiful world. And so we're in advance of where there, where there will be hope and peace and love and joy. And that, that's available to us here on earth. Um, and let's, let's strive for that. Let's go there. It's not, it's not really about the threat or what might happen, it's, it's, uh, it's what can happen here in this life as well. Ginger, yeah, what are your thoughts? I love that. Yes, I love that, Chris. Um, I was thinking that I've not been a preacher for that many years, but let's, I mean, let's say four plus years, most every Sunday, I have delivered a message that, that includes the sentence, the good news I hear today is, and never once in those hundreds of sermons have I said, we're not going to hell. Because it just didn't occur to me as the very best news that I found in whatever Bible text I was reading. So I would say the (laughs) better news, I mean, the very best good news I usually find is something about the way we are loved beyond, the way we are loved through, the way we are loved past who we are, what we do um, the, the things that we can uncover and see in one another, the ways that we might actually be connected um, in this life and beyond this life, th- that's usually what I talk about in any statement of good news I hear. The way I, the way I came to talk about it was the good news is that what that Jesus proclaimed is that the kingdom of God is here and now, and we can live lives full of love and forgiveness, nonviolence. We don't have to take revenge on other people. We don't have to get violent with other people. We can live the very life of God's love on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus set up the instructions for how to do this in his Sermon on the Mount. And it's the most beautiful way that anybody ever thought about living. And, and when Christians have lived that way, the world has taken notice. Um, 
So this this beautiful way of life that we can live right now and enter into right now. And if and if we don't, if we decide we don't want to do that, well, then we walk this path of destruction right now. Like you were talking about, Chris, it might look fun for a while. Well, go ahead and try it. It was not going to be fun for long uh, <laughs> and it's going to get darker and it's going to get worse. And then in, in, in what happens after this life, then the corrections of God still continue on. But God doesn't, God is not one whose love ever gives up or ever fails. And uh, basically, we can see the light sooner or later. God will ultimately help us to see it in this life or in, or in the age to come. But why not just see it now and embrace <laughs> all of it now? You don't have to wait till heaven. You don't have to wait till you die to go to heaven. The kingdom of heaven can be here. We can begin to experience this very life right now. I mean, that was one of the fun things about getting to come to Tyler and to just be with you all. We were When we were all doing this together, just the sense of joy and fun and community and fellowship that we all got to experience together. And I met a bunch of people that I didn't know, but once we were in that community together and in that space together, it all happened. You could feel it. It was all, you know, it was, it was all there. And that's a, I think that's a beautiful thing that's happening around your open table there at First Christian Church in Tyler, Texas. And what a joy to rally around positive points rather than negative ones. And I think that was what was so evident in the room over for the weekend was, and we all feel and see something good here and, and have this together. And it just has a whole different feel to it than say, we're trying to avoid going to hell. <laughs> the, a big thing in open table faith is that, that people need not feel alone. We, if, if we could gift the world with one thing, it would be this sense that you are not alone, no matter what you're thinking, feeling, walking through. And that's what you're affirming, David. And that's beautiful that you could feel it when you were here. So thanks. Yeah. What were the, well, what I, were I, the four, go ahead. The four people, like the, the spiritually honest and of, of open table. Honest faith. conversation, um, spiritual exploration and compassionate action. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. And, and you guys are, you guys are, the one that we had was the first one. You actually wanted to start it earlier, but COVID kind of delayed things. But ultimately you, you plan to have a number of these events, the yes. events going forward, correct? Yes. I think February, 2022 will be our next uh, filmed table talk. And then after that, we hope the third table talk can be in person. Well, that's uh that's really awesome. Well, I really um, appreciate what you're doing. This positiveness, that's kind of what I've been trying to work with is a really positive spirituality. Like what I'm trying to do is not so much be against hell as I'm trying to talk about an, a way of seeing God that is so positive that hell has to fit into that in a way that makes in a way that makes sense. The overall picture of God is so loving and compassionate and powerful and saving that then Hell is sort of forced to take its place. It it can't be the the tail that wags the dog. It 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 now it takes an important place because we do need to have the fear of God. That we do need to have a respect. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But once we truly understand who God is, then love casts out all fear. So, yeah, we do need to be concerned that that you know the judgments of God are real and can be quite bracing. 
uh, in this world and in the ages to come. So this is not about uh, taking lightly the consequences of sin, but it's finally saying that grace and love and mercy are so powerful, at least from my point of view, that they ultimately encompass and and finally bring light and healing and and restoration. I just think that you're creating an environment where the, that kind of way of being spiritual is allowed within Christian community and context, even though everybody might not think, oh, I'm a Christian universalist, or I don't even know if God ultimately can save everybody. But that's, we can, we can be together and that conversation can be happening. Is that fair? Oh, totally Absolutely. fair. You said something really powerful when you said you want to create the, the, the environment where hell takes its proper place. And I, I completely wow, second that. I think, yes, from the flip side, that's exactly how I understand what my job is, is to put Christ in Christ's proper place, which is bigger than things like my sin or your sin. They exist and we can certainly talk about them and we need to work on them, uh, but we also need to understand we aren't the center of the universe. That's not our. That's not our place. And and some <clears throat> some well, so often when people are fixated on eternal judgments, they're also fixated on how they themselves, through their human agency, help avoid their own eternal judgment. I, I am not so much hung up on that because I don't put myself in such a driver's seat as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that it's, that sometimes I, I, I started thinking that, that salvation is not something so much that I am accomplishing um, for God, but something that God is accomplishing with me, that it's a work of God that is already nascent in the image of God that I'm born with, but it's a process of, of realization so that God is with me in judgment and God is with me in grace and mercy as I stumble my way along and continue to, to, to wake up and, and that you can do that. Some some people just don't feel like they can take that chance or do that within Christian community. But what you're trying to do is this is a place where we can all kind of stumble along and grow up and grow up together, all of us. And, and we can go on this journey together as a lifelong conversation and event. And I just think that's a beautiful way to be in community together. I don't think enough people know that it exists. So I hope in some way that people that hear this podcast can know about this. Maybe if they're in, if they happen to be listening to this podcast and they're within, you know, shooting distance of Tyler, Texas, that they can come by and meet you guys uh, personally. But you also are online. And you're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a podcast. I'm not a church or anybody's minister, but you guys have a church and a ministry there. And maybe somebody in the world needs some con- connection with a church and a minister and they don't have anything. Uh, they could, could they give you guys a call or look at you, look, look you guys up online and, and have some kind of way of interacting with you guys? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How would that work? The first Christian church, Tyler, Texas, right? Isn't that right? So YouTube? Uh, Facebook and YouTube are probably the places we're most active, but that's a public presence on Facebook. So you don't need an account to see it, but you just search first Christian church, Tyler, Texas. And we do have our own website that will get you to those other places. And in the, these uh, open table faith conversations, if I want to find those, how do I locate those? That is also, thanks for asking. 
that is also a public uh, Facebook group called Open Table Faith. One moment. I'm going to make sure that it's uh, Open Table Faith and doesn't have Tyler Texas in it. David, while we're, while we're waiting for her to do that, hey, I just I so much appreciate you and your ministry and what you're doing with all this. Uh, appreciate your friendship over the decades, uh, your book and how you so succinctly put this together, the idea of Christian universalism. Uh, in a scriptural way and in a way that's not threatening. It's not, uh, you know, full of fear or, or any kind of uh, agenda, but just uh, giving us permission and giving us some thoughts to, to work with. Uh, it's, uh, I so appreciate you. Well, I know that I appreciate that. I know, Chris, you and I, you know, we were in seminary at the same time together. And man, the- theology books, big books on theology can just be so... I mean, they're just enormous. They're giant. It's they can be very technical, and so what I wanted to do was put something together that used familiar terms that was accessible that wasn't a million pages long, and somebody could say, just get like, oh, I didn't even know this world existed. I didn't even know this was a possibility. And give them some, you know, pointers on to the to, to other places. So I appreciate that. Yeah, you nailed it on yeah. that. Yeah, and it, and what what you've done in the way that you've done it is really, really helpful for folks like us who are ministers on the front lines of changing faith, because you've given us a tool that is accessible to any person. They don't, they don't need to really be into theology and, and want to, you know, dive deep and become a church nerd to take in this new idea. Well, did you find out about how we get to open table? It faith? Is, it's just open table faith. Okay, we just go what you search online. So, uh, Open Table Faith exists as its own Facebook group. There's actually a side community that is Honest Convo, for short for Honest Conversation. So, if you find Open Table Faith, uh, and then you can request to join our Honest Convo, and you can find um, essays and resources both at the main page, and you can find a willing conversation partner uh, in our group. Well, I really enjoyed uh, getting to come to Tyler, Texas. I hope to come back again sometime and maybe we can continue to have more uh, fellowship and conversation. So God bless you guys. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule this time of year to uh, to have this uh, conversation. And just God bless both of you and the ministry that you have at First Christian Church in Tyler, Texas. David, thank you. Blessings thank to you, you as well. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Grace Saves All. You can help spread the word by sharing this podcast with others and by giving it a rating on iTunes. If you want to find out more about David or if you'd like to leave him a message, go to his website, davidartman.net. In the meantime, let's work together to help a hurting world know about the greatest news ever announced.